Time now for the ridiculous, and tonight we're adding the ginger jeer squad, the crimson criticizers. That's right, all the redhead haters. Good morning, and welcome to episode 207 of Effectively Wild, the daily podcast from Baseball Prospectus. I am Ben Lindbergh with Sam Miller. Uh, it just occurred to me that we will be taking next Monday off. I know, I've been thinking about it for days. <laughs> Which means that we will not be on a, a multiple of five uh, ending the week pattern as we have been for, what, months now? It's been nice. I, I actually I actually have wondered whether you would you would sneak into the recording studio and record a solo show and throw it up there yeah, uh, without telling me. It. I I I I'm not surprised that you think it would almost be worth it. And if if I think if if you could do it in under a half hour of time, I bet you will. But what would you do? What would you talk about all alone? I don't know. I'd have to get a, a guest. To talk to, I guess. No one would want to listen to me talk by myself, least of all uh-huh. me. Did you see the uh, email from John about the hot seat? Yes. So should we go over that? Yeah, sure. Uh, we talked yesterday about uh, why it's called a hot seat. Uh, we've proposed, and not just proposed, I think uh, it has been passed, the motion passed. Uh, between us to now call it when a manager might be fired to call it the wobbly chair. Yes, the wobbly the chair or seat. I don't remember. What I don't you know. Said. I, I'm we not sure. Stick we'll with seat. Work it out. I don't mind seat. I love it. I, I still love it. It makes me giggle. Yeah. Uh, but John uh, emails to to let us know. Uh, well, first he speculates about the reason a hot seat is is hot. And honestly, I don't think Josh has any idea. What, uh, John has any idea what he's talking about. Um, <laughs> But out of courtesy to him, or I, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna edit him. So I, he he said he suggests a hot seat is hot in the same way a hot potato is hot. You can't touch it. In the case of the seat not touching it, means that you're standing up. And as we all know, your ability to hold onto a chair you're not actually sitting in is tenuous at best. So the analogy works pretty well until you consider how the seat cools down for the next person who grabs it. I just don't think that's right. But he does then uh, go on to, uh, to to provide some research and says Google offers an alternate definition for hot seat as the electric chair. Mm-hmm. So there you go. I think that's probably ap- I think that's probably absolutely correct. Yes, I'm sure that the hot seat originally was slang for the electric chair and uh, and migrated over to managers. I did look it up in in Dixon's baseball dictionary and it was not in there. So mm. that was disappointing. I don't, do you consider it a baseball term? Uh. I don't know. I wonder whether people who are not baseball fans would consider it a baseball term. Probably not. I guess it's it's in general use, and I don't know. I guess it, it probably didn't originate in baseball. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I, I would guess that it's no more of a baseball term than, than it's a life term. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right, what did, you, uh, what did you want to talk about? Uh, Patrick Corbin. Okay, and I'll talk about redheads. Ah, okay. Uh, well, I'll start with Corbin because I wanted to ask you about him because you have feelings about him or have had feelings about him, I think, that we have alluded to briefly on the podcast. Uh, I think during this season you said maybe it was time to, to reevaluate your your stance on Corbin. Um, so yesterday he pitched a, a three-head shutout uh, at Coors Field to... Go seven and zero, and it's interesting how I'm always tempted to say seven and zero, even though mm-hmm. that means nothing to me. But 
if he were six and one, though, you wouldn't be tempted. No, right? I wouldn't. It's yeah, just the, we've talked the, about this. Haven't, haven't you and I? Yeah, haven't you and I talked about how we're? At some point, I've talked about how I'm still a sucker for the lopsided yeah. uh, win loss yeah. record. Uh, so he, I mean, I, I looked back kind of at our at our player comment in BP 2013 about him. Uh, we called him a control artist. We talked about his pitching to contact. It was sort of a, I don't know, it wasn't a negative comment, but it wasn't a, an extremely flattering comment. It, it was just, it sort of said that, or implied that he was just a guy, kind of. Uh, and his even his, his baseball reference sponsorship says, Pat is just one of many pitching prospects in the Diamondback system, <laughs> which I, I <laughs> enjoyed. Um, and so I wonder if that, if that is changing now or whether it should change it. He is sort of throwing a little bit harder now. He's not like a flamethrower, but, uh, I mean, he's throwing, he's averaging something like 92.5 right now, which for a lefty is, is certainly above average. Uh, he is, he's getting grounders, um, He's not really getting any more strikeouts than he was last season, but he seems to have excellent control. Uh, he threw 74 of his 97 pitches for strikes yesterday at Coors Field. Um, he has a very good slider. I was just doing an article, which is up now at BP, on pitches that are thrown outside of the strike zone most often, and... Zach Greinke's slider was on that list, high on that list, and uh, he had one of the, the highest whiff rates on a slider. Um, but Corbin was Corbin was actually higher, uh, and that was also including some of his relief appearances from last year. So maybe maybe starter only, he he wasn't quite as good. But but basically, Corbin's slider is is swung at and missed at the same rate as Zach Greinke's slider. Uh, he gets grounder. He's He's got good control, so should we be thinking of him as a top-of-the-rotation guy? Is it time to, to reevaluate him, or should we just still sort of look at his his tiny BABIP and his tiny home runs per fly ball rate and say that he's good but not really that much better than we thought he was and he's just kind of a mid-rotation guy still? Uh, I think mid-rotation guy is probably better than we thought he was. I mean, mm-hmm. w- the the we thought he was that when he was when he was twenty, um, and when he was twenty, he was in he was in a ball. Um, so, I mean, I think that what I'm saying is that uh, there it was going to take a lot of things going right for him to get to mid-rotation in the majors, um, and I think that you can say. For sure, that he's that. There's, there's uh, not a lot of doubt right now that he's going to have a career. Um, and when the Angels traded him, you know, there was a lot of doubt. There was probably a lot of uh, people who thought that he was going to move up to Double A and uh, not have nearly the success, and that he might be the sort of, you know, Anthony Ortega guy that you, uh, you know, keep in Triple A and bring him up and hope to get spot starts out of. So. Uh, that's not that. Mm-hmm. Is he an ace now? Is I is I guess the question. Yeah, I guess so. Is that is that your only question? Is that uh, well, I guess that's my question, question. And also, have you kind of have your your reservations about him 
evaporated at all or, or are the same things that you were thinking last time we talked or before the last time we talked still in effect? Uh, well, you know, I haven't, I, I haven't, I think it takes, a, sometimes it takes a little bit of work to, to change your mind. Mm-hmm. You have to, you have to actually, you know, go in willingly and look at the evidence and, and have your mind changed or else you just need to be beaten down by peer pressure. And, uh, I have not yet be, been beaten down by, by peer pressure, mm-hmm. uh, I, because I think there's still people, uh, who are sort of sounding these notes of, of doubt about, uh, the, you know, the luck parts of his performance, um, Although it's it's building somewhat, I, I think that it's built that that uh, there are more people who are believing him to be real now. And like Jeff Passan yesterday uh, tweeted a, a big you know like a, he he basically tweeted like whoops I was wrong when I when he ripped the the, the Dan Heron deal, uh-huh. uh, and that was in reference to to, to Pat Corbin. Um, but I haven't I haven't actually uh, done the work to look and see how real I think he is. I I don't. I don't think I've sat down and watched a start by him um, yet this year. And I mean, I, I frankly, I wouldn't trust me uh, on this topic because uh, you know I, it's hard to change your mind. You, you, we sort of get stuck in our opinions. Uh, and uh, I, you know, I, I made an opinion. I, I, I developed an opinion three years ago about a player who um, doesn't seem to necessarily be the same player anymore and you know frankly at the time uh three years ago i mean i wouldn't have necessarily trusted me then either i i basically had access to the same publicly available information that everybody else had that information suggested that corbin was um you know the sort of advanced lefty who can carve up low a pitching and doesn't really excite the people who should know better for the higher level so um you know it's not as though I had any like incredible insight into Patrick Corbin and it's not as though I uh, am ever going to generate it. (laughs) I'm just sort of guessing like everybody else. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, But he's been great. It's kind of been fun to watch or it's been fun to observe if not actually sit down and watch all of his starts. Yeah. The, the Diamondbacks have kind of an interesting rotation. Everyone in that rotation is, uh, I mean, I guess they're, they're, Fifth starter would be Wade Miley, which is pretty good. Uh, I mean, they don't really have any ace-type guy, uh, assuming Corbin is not that guy. They don't have anyone who's striking out, I guess. I guess Corbin would be just about at, at league average strikeout rate for a, for a starter. Um, but they don't have anyone above that. Uh, it's just Corbin and Cahill and McCarthy and Kennedy and Miley, just a bunch of kind of good ground ball, not very high strikeout, pretty good control guys with no no real ace. But uh, I guess it's the, the type of rotation that could be just fine if everyone stays healthy. And so far, they have, uh, they have had only five starters start, which is always a good thing uh, when you don't have to, to dip into your sixth and seventh and eighth starters so if if they were to keep keep that up it would it would be sort of uh i don't know like a, a 2005 um white Sox rotation sort of that doesn't really have a dominant guy but has everyone who's who's solid and, and doesn't get hurt so that's nice for for diamondbacks fans 
Should we be asking whether Trevor Cahill is changing our minds about him, or is this? Um, I, I mean, I guess. See, the thing that's interesting is that. Uh, well, it's not. It's not a perfect analogy because, like I said, Corbin has already exceeded a lot of expectations, and he's you know proven himself to be something that wasn't a guarantee. Cahill, though, in a lot of ways, is also having a great year, mm-hmm. and also has, you know, the, the basically the low strikeout and the high walk rates that he has always had. Mm-hmm. Um, and you could just easily say that, um, you know, that he needs to be reevaluated based on his results. But, um, but we don't, right? We basically, you and I haven't changed our opinions about Trevor Cahill, have we? I feel like historically, I've probably underrated him. Um, just because of uh, a bias against guys who don't get a lot of strikeouts, I guess. Uh, mm-hmm. But he's been doing what he does for for quite a while now, pretty successfully. So um, yeah, what he does what he does is uh, credible third starter, mm-hmm. and what he's pitching like right now is ace, and that's basically what Corbin is supposed to be, and that's basically what Corbin has been doing right now. Yeah. So Corbin is also probably credible third starter right. pitching like an ace. Yeah, so, I mean, both guys haven't really changed their, their peripherals much this year. Um, right. It's just kind of a, an ERA or, or win-loss record thing. And and I guess with, with Cahill, we already kind of were confident that he was that, that mid-rotation guy, and, and Corbin, we were less confident. So uh, our our perception of Corbin has changed more than our perception of Cahill. Uh, Corbin has seven point, I think seven point four strikeouts mm-hmm. per nine right now. Uh, this is a totally different question, but um, he's twenty three. He's new to the majors, fa- fairly new to the majors. He's a guy who's not supposed to get a ton of strikeouts, but he pounds the strike zone. Would you guess that as the league sees him more, that uh, but also while he develops, that that strikeout rate will go up or down? If, if you had to bet on an up or a down. Uh... I guess I would say down. I, I I mean he's I don't know. Doug Doug called his his stride front funky in the annual. Um, uh-huh. So maybe he's a a deception guy to to some extent. I don't know. I I guess I wouldn't I wouldn't expect a huge change in either direction. But I guess I'd say down if anything. Yeah, I I would too but um then you look at his minor league strikeout rates and he's he always managed to to miss bats Mm -hmm. even when he wasn't wowing scouts Mm -hmm. anyway redheads redheads i have about 40 seconds worth of things to say about redheads uh but uh i almost am not like i've been trying to well okay so uh brandon mccarthy tweeted a cover of baseball america last night did you see this I didn't see the tweet. I saw the article, I guess, by by Jerry Krasnick, right? I read that. Oh, you did read yes. it? Oh, thank goodness, because I I don't have any idea what I'm talking about. I was looking for it, and I couldn't find it. Uh, so the headline of this, uh, the headline on the cover of Baseball America is Georgia high school outfielder Clint Frazier has the tools to overcome baseball's unusual scouting bias against redheads. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've never heard about this, and I thought, uh, thought it was hysterical uh and then i went around looking and looking and looking on the internet and i also couldn't find anything about this um although i did find that there is a uh, i found a, a a sports illustrated story about quarterbacks and it was a it was an article actually about 
uh, well, yeah, it was about uh, the 2011 quarterback draft. And the second to last paragraph is at least one team is thinking not just about Dalton's brains, but also about what's on top of them. Has there ever been a redheaded quarterback in the NFL who's really done well? A coach asked last week. It sounds idiotic, but is there any way that could be a factor? We've wondered. So uh, there's an, apparently there's an anti-redhead anti bias among quarterbacks. Um, I would be a terrible scout, uh, partly because I'm always uh, unsure of what color people's hair is. Uh, the, the, the blonde uh, redhead spectrum to me is difficult to decode. And so like is, is Mark Reynolds redhead, do you think? Uh, no, I don't, I don't think so. I think he's blonde. Okay. See, I can't tell. I'm I'm redhead colorblind. <laughs> uh, is Bobby Kilty redhead? Uh, I mean, I guess it's it's a spectrum. I guess it's like saying is a pitch type this certain type of breaking ball or not. I think. Well, yeah, no. I, think, I mean, I I'm not a redhead at all. I'm yes, zero redhead. Yes, so. I think I think Kilty is is a redhead. Yes. And uh, is Matt Merton? A redhead? Uh, <laughs> I'm doing Google image searches here to refresh <laughs> my memory. Yes. All right. So, well, Matt Merton is sort of the classic stat head player who couldn't, you know, for years people didn't think he was getting enough of a chance mm -hmm. based on his stats. So maybe we found it, mm -hmm. Ben. Maybe we've, maybe we've found patient zero for <laughs> the anti-redhead bias. But you read the article. I did. So I actually have to admit, I wasn't 100% sure that this was actually a real cover. Like, there's no indication that Brandon McCarthy was joking and he's got an, a screen grab of it. It's it's a real-looking thing. And yet it seemed possible that I had been duped. Mm. So I'm glad that you've read it. What what did what did Jerry Krasnick write? Uh, it was a very, very long article. Just It was like almost the the, the history of, of redheads, really, from beginning to end, not just in in baseball of time <laughs> yes pretty much um and and how there have been certain prejudices against uh redheads and 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 beliefs about them uh actually i'm looking at it now and he does he does mention kelty and matt merton as redheads he also includes seth mcclung as a redhead. is jerry Kra is jerry krasnick yes a redhead? he is so he's speaking is louis is louis ck is louis ck a redhead uh sure i think so all right. Uh, man, you really you need help when it comes to identifying <laughs> these guys. Uh, so he includes a, a quote from Jeff Lunau. Um, and uh, so Lunau says, I mean, he asks him if he's given it any thought and, and uh, if he's factoring it in as he decides whom to draft. Uh, and so Lunau says, anytime you're going to make a significant personnel decision on behalf of the organization and you're delving into waters that are not that populated, you have to wonder why. The answer could be as simple as the percentage of redheaded people in the population. There just aren't that many out there. If that's the answer, okay, so be it. But there could be something more to it. And if there is, it's certainly worth exploring. Is it because the parts of the world where redheaded people typically come from don't play baseball as much and it's not part of the culture? I don't know the answer to that. Is it because they're fair-skinned and not as durable under the sun? I've heard all kinds of crazy theories. I haven't done anything to verify any of them, to be honest with you, but it certainly is an interesting topic. So uh, Krasnick says that, uh, and this seems like it, it could pretty much just be the explanation on its own, is that... Uh, one to two percent of the world's population has red hair, uh, according to multiple sources. He cites he 
cites a 2002 Washington Post story as saying that the percentage is between two and six in the U.S. Um, so, I mean, redheads are just scarce. So, I, I mean, I guess if it if it's one to two percent or two to six percent or whatever of of you know 750 players that are in the majors right now. Uh, I wonder what the actual percentage is. I don't think he in, included that, but um, I mean, it, it can't be that much less than that. I I, I guess. I mean, right? <laughs> I guess that that can't be. I mean, if it's two percent of seven hundred and fifty players, that's fifteen guys. I would believe that there are fifteen redheads in the majors right now. You you would? Can you name one? Uh, <laughs> um. <laughs> but well, I, guess, there we go. I don't know i don't maybe i don't see hair color either uh-huh. uh <laughs> uh you're so progressive yes. that way you don't even see hair color mm-hmm. um i i love the maybe they're they have fairer skin and, uh-huh. and aren't as durable under the sun mm-hmm. theory uh because uh unless he's unless he means like they're less likely to play baseball from an early age because they get sunburned mm-hmm. uh it would be super duper weird if his scouts didn't want players who had fair skin <laughs> because they might not can like <laughs> that would be a whole new bias i mean if there was a box uh a box on a scouting form that said melanoma yes right uh, they all, pre- present they all future. weeded out when they got <laughs> melanoma in little league or something <laughs> i don't know uh so wow so that's fascinating and and i guess we've also learned that jeff luno luno will uh will definitely talk to you about anything <laughs> yes <laughs> Uh, okay. Well, I, yeah, I mean, it, I think that the numbers probably explain it. I, I think I also agree that the numbers also explain it. Um, but you might also suggest that the, the rarity with which they exist in the population, uh, it gives, you know, gives you a little bit of a, of a reason for, for why, I mean, scouts are always looking for things that are different. Scouts are looking, I guess it's, I don't know. Do you think scouts look? I guess maybe that's not true. No, I was yeah, going to say. Scouts, I was going to say the scouts are looking for for scouts are probably. Uh, I think the, the the stereotype has been that scouts cast a, a wide net and see positives. They they cling to the positive part of a player, and coaches are the opposite. That that coaches see the negative and scouts see the positive. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so you actually wouldn't expect scouts necessarily to to be like you know. Like, uh, like I, I remember uh, in college, I had a professor who talked about how script readers for movies—they're uh, not really looking for the good thing in the script. They're just—they're just scrolling down until they find one tiny thing that they hate, and then they just throw it out. And you wouldn't expect that from scouts, based on what we know about scouts. So I guess that and, and scouts uh, are always drawing on their their memory or their collective memory of players who have succeeded in the past. And I guess there could be. Some sort of bias there if they're if they're making comps based on physical appearance and they can't come up with a lot of people who look like a redhead physically just because I mean at, at some point that had to start somewhere um, but I guess I don't know just the fact that if redheads are are five percent of the population uh, it's hard to come up with examples of them and then maybe that's how you'd end up with two percent of the baseball population just because you kind of discount a guy's chances because it's harder to to come up with comps 
I don't know. So redheads are almost as common as left-handers? If it's 6%, aren't left-handers like 9% or something like that? Uh, yeah, I, I think it's like 10%, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think that every redhead gets a Rick Sutcliffe call thrown at <laughs> them? Uh, yeah, probably. Uh, all right. Well, uh, great. So that's interesting. So now everybody knows this. Okay. Uh, so we'll be right. back with the email show tomorrow. Send us emails at podcast at baseballperspectus.com.